As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Cinco de Mayo or in St. Louis where we celebrate Cuatro de Mayo yesterday. I haven't quite figured that out. On the right, John Hancock. Good morning. Good to see you. On the left, Michael Kelly. Good morning. And I'm John Brown. Big story this week, St. Louis County Executive Steve Stenger resigns and pleads guilty for a pay-for-play scheme. In case you missed it, all this past week, the U.S. Department of Justice charged Stenger with three counts of bribery and mail fraud. One of the people specifically named in the indictment is John Rollo. There are several other people, but the indictment says that more or less Stinger took official action to ensure that Rollo and his companies benefited from campaign contributions and ultimately taxpayer dollars. The indictment alleges that Stinger took steps to hide illegal activity, including making false public statements. As we said, then Friday, Stinger pleaded guilty to the charges. Sentencing will be in August. Here's what his attorney had to say after the plea deal on Friday as they walked out of court. Um, obviously, today was a very difficult day for Steve and his family. Um, on the other side, Steve has uh, many, many things for which he's very proud, especially in his role as a private lawyer and the countless individuals that he's helped. Today, obviously, was not one of those proud moments, but he has completely, an accept, com completely accepted responsibility for his mistakes in judgment, lapses in judgment, and his conduct while in office as county executive. And after that, they walked off, and Steve Singer did not talk, which I'm sure he was told, do not talk. Mike, you're up first. A lot of Democratic names being brought into this, illegal or legal. Uh, when an indictment comes out like this, a lot of names are going to get named. Well, and it's, you know, it's a disgusting thing. It's a hard thing for St. Louis County to go through. Uh, an absolutely uh, ridiculous thing for Steve Stanger to have been involved in. That's a pretty salacious indictment. Uh, think about the process. This came in on Monday, we heard about this. He shows up, he pleads not guilty, and by Friday he shows back up in court and pleads guilty to three. Uh, the, he's surely going to jail, um, and he should. And uh, it will be interesting to see if there's another shoe or what else is going on here because of the quickness of a compromise that was made. I can't believe it did finalize this quick. Obviously, you still have the sentencing coming up, two to four years-ish. But, yeah, for this to all come down in a week and be done. Uh, the the hubris of, of conducting business like this is it blows me away. Uh, it didn't need to happen like this, and and you know, over campaign donations. I mean, you think about you when you think about bribery and corruption. It's a politician, you know, taking payoffs and getting money, you know, for themselves or whatever. Or the, for campaign donations to have broken the law like this. Uh, it's it's just a puzzle and it's it's disgusting. It's very very sad. And I I was saying all week long. I think there are a lot of people who are in this circle around Steve Stinger who have still got to be nervous because you don't know. Like you said, the next shoe to drop. What is that going to be? Who else is is out there in the periphery that could be dragged into this? I think there will be a lot of people involved here. Well, there were a lot of uh, sexy initials, I guess, that were included in the indictments. But I think it would be unfair to speculate. We'll just have to wait and see, but uh, 
anybody who is making that type of judgment, it's like John says, I mean, it wasn't even personal enrichment. He was doing this over campaign contributions. And for somebody who's a lawyer and an accountant to make such stupid decisions, makes no sense. Okay, that's one I have, and I'll get to you on this one too, John. The one question that has been asked of me a lot, and I've asked a lot, do you think this was just stupidity by a lot of people who thought, this is how politics works? I give you some money, I get something in return, and so they didn't really know the ramifications well, of these actions? Or are these people who are all in the know and, and this is It's not, not how politics works. Right. Um, it's, it's not. And Sadly, that's it's part of it. That's but that's how apparently it was operating right. with him. Steve is a, an interesting dude. Uh, obviously, we've all witnessed that with his behavior at the county council and the way that he's handled himself during this thing. He is a, a silo to himself in the decisions that he makes. Uh, he doesn't really seek counsel from folks. And to, to see him making these types of decisions, it re really gave me some insight into who he, who he was. You know, the other interesting thing here, and I don't know if there's a corollary, but we're almost a year to the day uh, from when Eric Greitens resigned as governor. And the, the one thing that, that these two people have in common is that they really had become isolated islands into themselves, and they really didn't have any support. Greitens, you'll recall, he had a Republican majority in the legislature. He couldn't get along with him, couldn't work with him. They didn't like him, and they hastened his departure. Uh, Steve Stanger, a Democrat, he's got a majority of Democrats on that county council, didn't get along with him. They didn't like him. They, they couldn't work together. They were calling on his resignation. And, you know, there is something to be said. There's wisdom in counselors, having wise counsel. And, and this is a case clearly where I don't think you've got a guy that had any kind of governors around him or counselors around him. And people, you can get anybody, you can get themselves in a world of trouble uh, when you turn yourself into an island. Yeah, and you think about this. I was asked on a lot of radio shows this week what this means for the St. Louis region. Do you think... People from the outside, companies, individuals look from the outside and say, boy, you just lost your governor. Your county mayor, for lack of a better word, just gets indicted. On the same day as that happens, you have them pulling computers out of the circuit attorney's office, Kim Gardner's office. Do people care about that from the outside, or is that just us mixed up in the politics here? Well, it, it, look, I imagine if you go to a lot of cities, there's issues going on that's going on in Baltimore. It's happening in other places. But, yeah, this is a black eye. This is a scar on the St. Louis community. It's a scar on politics because most of the people who are involved in politics on a daily basis are good people who are in this for the right reasons and are behaving in the right way. This is a clear example of someone who wasn't, and they ought to pay the penalty of what is to come. And, you know, to the credit of the prosecutors, they got in there and rooted this out and, and pulled the bad actor out. They indicted him. He's going to jail, and that's what should happen. Uh, but and it does it, it may tarnish St. Louis some. It certainly tarnishes uh, elected officials mm -hmm. generally, uh, because I do think there's a perception that they're all crooked and everybody's on the take and da da da. And it's just not true. And when it is true, it needs to be rooted out and exposed. And it has been here. Well, the new interim county executive Sam Page said something similar to that. Said it just shows that the system does work. We caught these people who are doing things that were illegal and we got them out of here. So he was put into office after that emergency county council session. No public comment during Monday's meeting. Some people say, come on, this is not democracy. On the flip side, this is what the county charter says. Was this handled correctly? John, you're up first on this one. Was this handled correctly yeah. to do it this quick and put him yeah. into that position? Uh, well, you've got a resignation. You've got a vacancy. The count, I mean, it is in the charter. The council must meet. They can pick anybody they want. It's got to be of the same party. 
Uh, and we had gone through this, uh, you know, over a decade ago after Buzz Westfall died and the county council at that time. And then it was a Republican majority that had to select a Democrat because that's what the charter called mm, for. Right. Uh, but here you had a Democratic majority. They selected their chairman, uh, Sam Page. And to his credit, uh, I think Page has conducted himself in these early days uh, very well. I think he's been circumspect. Uh, I think he's, he's been measured in his comments. And, uh, and I hope, I wish him the best. I, I hope we can put I, this thing back together. I, too, have been impressed with Sam Page and the way that he has conducted himself over the last couple of days, and the council for that matter. Look, this was a terrible process that was thrown into their lap. They had to find one of them to do it. Sam Page was able to wrangle those votes and become the county executive. It's been quite impressive. I've also been impressed by the county council. Look, we've talked about county government. It wasn't only Stanger. It's been in disarray even at the county council level. They seem to have been able to find some normalization uh, amongst themselves, and I'm hopeful that going forward, they're going to be able to keep this attitude together because uh, they are definitely on a great start together. All right, so to come on Hancock and Kelly, the attorney general talks to the Senate, then takes a pass on the House. Was he a chicken? Uh, one Tennessee lawmaker broke out some lunch and had some Kentucky Fried Chicken and then calling William Barr more or less a chicken. We'll debate his testimony coming up next. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Well, this past week, the Attorney General of the United States testified in front of the Senate, but not the House. Let's begin with what he says is his mandate to do what he did with the report. Bob Mueller is the equivalent of a U.S. attorney. He was exercising the powers of the Attorney General subject to the supervision of the Attorney General. He's part of the Department of Justice. His work concluded when he sent his report to the Attorney General. At that point, it was my baby. And I was making a decision as to whether or not to make it public. And I effectively overrode the regulations, used discretion to, to lean as far forward as I could to make that public. And it was my decision how and when to make it public, not Bob Mueller's. He made the case, hey, you didn't, get to, you didn't have to see any of this. I that even did this. So you're up first on this one. Democrats saying he's lying. Republicans saying he's doing what he's supposed to do. Your thoughts? Well, he's, he's not lying. Uh, you know, you've got this. Uh, Mueller was upset about the four-page original memo. And if that was all that got released, I think that would be a legitimate concern. We, he released the document. He released the entire report. It's redacted for legal reasons where it has to be. But he did, was under no obligation to do that, talking about Bill Barr. And he released it. We've got the, we've got the Mueller report. It's over. It's done. It's out there. And to, to be attacking Bill Barr is disingenuous. He's, he, he's done more than this the law requires. This was just the facts, ma'am. He chose then to use his uh, original announcement with the forge-page letter to make it as though the president had been exonerated, and that's not the case. Then he comes out prior to the release of the whole thing, gives him a 20-minute uh, speech like he's the attorney for Donald Trump rather than the attorney general of the United States. Well, then he sits there with Kamala Harris and won't answer questions and even says that the president's asking him to investigate the uh, people. I mean, look, this, this guy is nothing more than a shill for Donald Trump. He's not out there in the interest of the people. He's out there for the interest of Donald Trump. There's so much there. So first of all, his memo did not say it exonerated Donald Trump. In fact, he quoted from the Mueller report saying that uh, as to obstruction, uh, we could not uh, either, you know, indict or what was the other way, exonerate. Uh, that's in the Mueller, which, by the way, 
What's Mueller doing talking about exoneration anyway? That's not what a prosecutor does. A prosecutor looks at the evidence and they bring charges or they don't. It, there's no finding of innocence in the work of a prosecutor. You either find that there's a reason to charge them or there's not. So, I, you know, I don't fault him for that at all. As far as uh, is how he's handled himself here, I mean, the guy has put the report out there for everybody to see. The work of Mueller is over. Two years of investigation, 400 pages, and the Democrats want to keep litigating this thing. They want to keep bringing witnesses up who are already on a 400-page record. Do you not remember the six years that you investigated Hillary Clinton yes. over the oversight of an administration? That's what the Democrats want to do. That's what they should have the right to do. They have the right to get Don McGee in there. They have the right to hear from Robert Mueller. They have the right to do their constitutional duty to exercise oversight. I know that makes you uncomfortable. It does not. But the fact of the matter is, is you did it for six years on Hillary Clinton, it's going to happen in return. Here's the difference. With, with Clinton, there was no two-year investigation. Everything we found out about Benghazi was done through congressional hearing. There was no special counsel. Nobody was invested. There was no 400-page report. And, and so Congress had a legitimate role to go and hold hearings. Here, you've got the hearings are done. The, the report is done. And so dredge it all back so up again. So much what we're hearing is not in the report as well. We didn't hear that Robert Mueller had said to Bob Barr, you uh, uh, inappropriately used context of my words. No, we had to hear that from the press. Release That's what the oversight's for. The the, bring Robert Mueller to the United States Congress. Bill Barr, have him show up and do what his constitutional duty is to take questions and answer to the people who have oversight over him. The, the report is done, and if you all want to keep beating the dead horse here, uh, go ahead, but I don't think the politics of it are going to work out. And I well, think you Mueller, guys yeah. would know because you beat the heck out of a dead horse for six years with Hillary Clinton. You investigated a Whitewater thing. I just love the hypocrisy that comes from Republicans when it comes to the oversight. It's okay that when we do oversight for six years, but when you guys give a six-month perusal of something, this is crazy. All Come right, on. Let's talk about Hillary very quickly because a lot of Republicans then said, Spying. let's go back into the original part of the Russia investigation. Yeah the uh, memo, all that sort of thing. So Hillary then responded to that on MSNBC this week. Here's what she said. Grace, you know, they know better, but this is part of their whole technique to divert attention from what the real story is. The real story is the Russians interfered in our election and Trump committed obstruction of justice. That's the real story. That's what they don't want the American people thinking about. So when in doubt, say something wild about me. You know, yeah, and that, there'll be a lot of Republicans who say, but it needs to go back and find out how this whole thing started. Democrats say enough on this, but I, I think John calls that a dead horse by going back <laughs> and beating it. Here, from a political standpoint, I'm not for sure this is even resonating anymore. I think people are starting to gloss over. Granted, you don't do everything for politics, but for Democrats who think, well, we're going to keep this going, I don't think it's going to play out. Well, I mean, Hillary Clinton's right. Donald Trump's a one-trick pony. He only knows one thing, and that's to blame Hillary Clinton and, the, and to go after immigrants and people of color. That's his one-trick pony. That's what he's going to do. He's always going to try to divert. Boy, wouldn't it have been great to have her as president over what the nonsense we're dealing with now? No, because we have record low unemployment in this country. We have a booming economy, over 3% growth, uh, thanks to tax cuts, thanks to regulatory reform. Uh, and, and that's what I think Donald Trump's going to end up running on. And if he does, he's going to win, because you don't lose the White House when you've got an economy that is performing the way this economy is. And as to the spying, which did take place on those tangential actors in the Trump campaign, the federal government was spying on a campaign 
uh, in the United States. That's a real concern, and that ought to be investigated. And we ought to, and there ought to be proper, uh, really deep channels to to meet before you can spy on a political campaign. All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, Facebook cracking down on what they call hate speech. All right. Is this a slippery slope or a step in the right direction? Time for a little news potpourri today. Let's start off with Facebook. Big crackdown on what they call hate speech by banning a lot of right wingers. But just to make things interesting, they say, let's throw in Louis Farrakhan. Has anybody talked to Louis lately? So he's now banned as well. That made it fun. All right, the decision met with a lot of cheers as the private company says it's doing its best to get rid of these bad elements of society who have a big voice on social media. Some people say, hmm, this is a slippery slope. What do you think? Michael, you're up first on this one. It's their company. Look, there's I mean, no doubt. I, yeah, it's a private platform. Um, they do have rules and regulations. They're allowed to enforce them. Uh, is it potentially a slippery slope on speech? Maybe. But, I mean, Twitter has the exact opposite policy where they allow mainly most uh, independent thought to take place. I don't have a problem with, with what Facebook has done. John. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not a fan of Facebook. Uh, you know, all of this thing, they're selling our data out there. And, I, you know, I... Uh, I, I'm not, I don't play, I don't play along uh, with Facebook, but it is their prerogative. Free speech is a function uh, that is protected by the government, and the government cannot abridge your speech. And so uh, that would be a problem if the government were trying to abridge speech. But it's a private company, they can do what they want, and as private consumers, we can choose to play along or not. The thing is, they get you so ingrained. So you have a Facebook page, then if you have a business page attached to it, you try and disconnect one. It disconnects everything. They found a way to weave themselves into society where you almost can't once you get started. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. You're really not in. Well. I'm on it, but I, I, I'm not obsessed with it. Hmm. Maybe I'm I've got. Well, I, I don't never look at mine. So never all do. you people that are sending me Facebook messages. Well, you out still there. have your high school know. photograph on there as your profile pic. <clears throat> it's it's a good looking. Good looking. Good. Lots Strapping of young lad there. Joe Biden, by far the front runner in the massive field of the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls. Yeah, did you guys see another guy? By the way, got in the race this week. They're at 21. Like, you're a little late. And who are you? According to some polling, Biden now has a 20-point lead over the Democratic rivals after his rollout campaign. Uh, even the people in his party now coming against him, like, like, um, like Bernie Sanders and, and some of the others. I heard you guys on the radio this week talking about it. It's going to be tough to knock this guy off. Who? Especially when you're at 20 points Joe up Biden? right now. Yeah, yeah I would think up. so. Well, why is everybody getting in? I mean, come on. If Donald Trump can be president, anybody can be president. And I think that's part of the thought process. But uh, Joe Biden is the person who can put together the coalition of centrist Democrats, never Trumpers, and of course the Democratic base. After we get through a primary, this primary is going to be interesting. You have 21, 22 people. It's going to take a long time for somebody to get the requisite amount of delegates to become the nominee. I've got a little different take on this. Uh, front runners historically don't perform that well. And, uh, and the other thing about Joe Biden, this is the third time he's run for president. And the first two times he ran for president, he was a lousy candidate. I mean, his campaigns never took off either time. Uh, so he's, he's either going to be the new and improved version of candidate Biden, which is possible, uh, or he's going to revert back to the mean, which is he's just not really ultimately a very good candidate. And, and front runners tend, tend to not perform very well. Did Reagan and Nixon, they, they each ran a couple of times, right? I think. Mm -hmm. They did? Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Reagan was a charge. Reagan ran a great campaign in 76, uh, an insurgent campaign in 70. Darn near got the nomination. Uh, Biden is not exactly in that 
class. John ran that campaign back in 76. Oh, 76, right? yeah. <laughs> Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it is time for Final Thoughts. This ought to be good. It's time for final thoughts here on the Cinco de Mayo. Make them quick so we can go get chips and margaritas. I'm ready for a margarita. Yeah, let's go. What you do know, you got? a week that we had a lot of bad news both nationally and locally. I'm excited about this opportunity for potentially GM to expand out in Wentzville Ooh, yeah. and bring more good-paying jobs to our region. Yeah, they're going to have to work out the incentive package, uh, but I think we've got a good shot at it, and it would be great for the, for the metropolitan area, no doubt about it. You know, Brown, I've been thinking. Oh. There's a new business opportunity out there. Maybe we can all get in on it. Naming these horses. You know, you watched the Derby yesterday, right? These horses have got great names, you know, and, and uh, I could come at like Tornado. That's a great, wouldn't that be a great horse name? Yeah, that'd be good. Margarita. There's, there's another one for you right No collusion. There. No, no collusion, yes. Potpourri, you got, I mean, uh, how about a horse named Potpourri? How long until political campaigns buy horse names? So that they get mentioned Let's around the entire. Do it. How I about mean, we get two horses and name them Hancock and Kelly? Yeah, well, oh, there you go. Put them out boy. there on a track. Or one horse, and I'll be the front end. Right. <laughs> 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 All right. If you missed any part of the show, remember, you can download it right there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly in the yeah. bright lights. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you back here next Sunday.